culture lovers. This is Jules, your host of the All Things ISIM podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I had the pleasure of chatting with Helen Magnusson, a very talented and passionate knitter living and working in Iceland. She is well known in the knitting world as the Icelandic knitter. While she originally hails from France, Iceland has been her home for over 20 years. We had a lively conversation that touched on why she moved to Iceland, her experience learning Icelandic, how she became interested in traditional Icelandic knitting patterns, why she decided to start hiking and knitting tours, and so much more. If you're interested in seeing some of Helen's designs, I have photos of them in the show notes of this episode on my website from foreigntofamiliar.com. I also have links to her website and social media handles if you'd like to connect with her or learn more about her. I hope you enjoy listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed conducting it. I release new podcast episodes every week, so make sure that you're subscribed on whichever platform you're on so that you don't miss when new episodes drop on Wednesday mornings. Go the skemtun og schaumst flotlega. Helen, thanks for sitting down with me to chat. Well, thank you for asking me too. <laughs> My pleasure. And we're just going to jump right in because okay. you have so much experience with the topic we're going to be jumping into. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yes, but we will, I want to learn a little bit about you and just like your okay. background. So you were raised in France and practiced law there. What prompted you to leave Paris and your job as a lawyer to move to Iceland? Well, and my job as a lawyer was a kind of a black hole. <laughs> this is how I saw my life. Okay. So uh, I met some Icelandic people at a party in Paris. And went to Iceland uh, on holiday, and I absolutely loved it. Wow. And I always felt I had my home there. Immediately? Immediately, yeah, when I was there. Oh. It was just like, okay, this is where I belong. And so I just, and I hated my job, and it was just a change to stop, change, mm-hmm. yep. doing something else. So I came back and um, I quit my job. Uh, so I had to work three more months, and then I... Yeah, I resigned from the bar and moved to Iceland. Okay. But it was a very easy and the most reasonable decision I've ever made. <laughs> and when you told people that you were leaving to move to Iceland, did they have any Oh, they said that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I never regretted it. I've never been homesick from Iceland. I mean, I really have my home here. And um, when I was little, we were moving very often. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have any roots okay. except those that... Um, I have from one part of the family yeah. in Normandy, where the Viking came. <laughs> so, so I'm back the, home. That's the connection. <laughs> yeah, that's the connection. So I'm, I'm back home and I've been here for uh, 25 years. Wow. I mean, I spend my half of my life here yeah. now. And, and I'm, I mean, it's just my home. That's it. There's no question about it. Right. That's so fascinating. That. I just have a weird accent. <laughs> yeah. That's so fascinating that... At a party, you just never know who you're gonna meet, right? Like, no, that no, change your no, life. no, 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 So it's just, you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> In your bio, you mentioned that you learned Icelandic by working on a sheep farm. Yeah. How long did it take you to learn a language, and was it difficult just jumping right in to full immersion? Well, I mean, uh, you probably experienced it yourself. It's really difficult to speak uh, Icelandic in Iceland. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because Icelandic people want to talk English, English to you. Yep. 
eventually all people will speak Danish <laughs> because it was their first language. But uh, so uh, after six months here, I tried to study a little bit in books and, and forth. And so it didn't really work. And each time I was trying to speak Icelandic, uh, people were answering in English. So it was really frustrating. So I just asked my friends around, where can I go in Iceland where they don't speak right. English? And so they thought you that I should try to go in the country farm, in, in the farm, and that's how I ended in a sheep farm. Okay. And so it was a complete immersion, and uh, I kind of got, I was there for two months, and that was actually enough to get the basics. For two months, okay. Yeah, but that was enough, because I, I mean, I, I only... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all you were doing. Like, yeah, like... everybody was speaking Icelandic to me. There was nothing else. Yeah. So uh, Even the animals, I think. <laughs> they understand Icelandic. Yeah. It makes know, sense, though. You know the ducks, they do bra bra yeah. <laughs> in Icelandic. They're quen quen in French or something else. So, yeah, so I kind of picked it up, like, okay. right away there. And, of course... Uh, then after that, my Iceland continued evolving, but but I got I reached the points after two months that I could uh, somehow manage, not the brightest, you know, in the party, but yeah. I could manage, and and people stopped answering to me. That's uh, awesome in English. So. so do you recommend people go to a sheep farm? Yeah, this is the first time I say, well, you have to go to a farm. <laughs> Just completely immerse yourself yeah. in a very old Icelandic tradition of farming. Farm. Yeah, exactly. And so, and it's nice because it also gives me um, the, the, the same experience that people my age, uh, from my generation, right. they were always going working in the farm to the summertime. Oh, so yeah. I also have kind of this experience from the people, uh, the Icelandic people around me, and that maybe younger children don't have in. So okay, we don't send people, you know, for two months in the farm. Right. Uh, not that much. Yeah. So a you're basically bit, getting an authentic. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. a little bit. You know, I had my uh, my own <laughs> summer working in the farm. Well, no farming experience. Yeah. My husband actually had the same thing when he was younger. Yeah. Yeah. When he was 13, he was sent to the uh-huh. farm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They were saying now that like it's harder because they're afraid of liability reasons and yeah. whatever else. So. Yeah, and it's just changing times. Yeah, true, also, true. Just... Then we have computers and cell phones. Very so. true. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you first become interested in knitting? Uh, that was uh, quite a long time ago, actually. Um, my family, men and women, have always been very crafty. My father was sewing quite a lot. My yeah. grandparents, grandfather was painting and doing furniture, all kind of things. Um and uh, I learned more like to uh, to embroider and crochet from my grandmother and mother. Uh-huh. And the knitting, I kind of learned it more on my own. But my mother tried to talk, to teach me when I was seven. Yeah. Then it didn't work very well. I, I was such a fast knitter. I mean, I couldn't move the needles anymore. <laughs> it was just too tight. And then I never had the same number of stitches. And so... Um, yeah, so I kind of let it down, and then when I was eight years old, I I, I, I saw a book about mm. um, craft for little girls. Okay. It was called that I really liked, so I, I kind of make some savings for almost a year to buy it, and uh, and then I learned again to knit from this book. Okay, and I cast it on uh, uh, ten stitches, and then I I <laughs> and then I made this like many many meters you know stuck it sick and cut a stitch and then going to cables and, and color works and kind of things and I don't understand why I did never 
I think I threw, just threw it away when it was done. I, I don't understand why I never <laughs> kept, kept it. Uh, but yeah. But it captivated you. And, with yeah, that. and then and then from there I've always been knitting. I mean, it's just so easy, portable. So I'm crocheting or knitting. I don't really make. Um, I, I, doesn't really make a huge difference between okay. the two. Today I'm more working with knitting just for uh, because I'm specialized in Icelandic knitting and, and the, the crochet tradition is not very uh, present. Right, yeah. So okay. that's the only reason. Yeah, and then I've been just knitting. It's just, just kind of a yoga for me. Oh, nice. Where I relax. So I've, I've been knitting, you know, when it was not very popular. Right. You know, so I was knitting in... Um, yeah, in the discotheques. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you were going to the disco with well, your needle, yeah. and that's amazing. That would be like that you know, one person. In, in the 80s, <laughs> I was my, with my knitting. I remember I was, I was, I was, was, alive when, I was 18, <laughs> when I was 17 or 18, I was knitting um, an iron sweater for my boyfriend, and you know, it was. Uh, it was white, and so in the discotheque, it was like, you know, this white, white, white. <laughs> and everybody thought that was crazy, but I never really cared. And yeah, so that was kind of like a... And then awesome. I survived low <laughs> with the knitting. I was at my knitting with me, and I was the weirdo again, but I, okay. I never really... But you said it helped you relax, so in a way it was like... Yeah, it's just that I just need to have my hands occupied, okay. and, uh, and I like to make things, you know, just so... I've, yeah. Yeah. And when did you discover traditional Icelandic knitting? Patterns? Well, when I came to Iceland, really. Like when you first came, that was like one of the things that you noticed, or did it take a little time? Uh, no, it's when I went to the sheep farm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it all starts at the sheep farm. <laughs> no, I mean when I came to Iceland, so I, I completely stopped low. So I really um, wanted to do something with my life, something else. So I started to work uh, in a restaurant, washing dishes, and then doing some cooking and stuff, and then became a guide. And you know, I was. Uh, mountain guides and and also cooking for uh, in the mountains during summer times. But then I, it's not something I wanted to do. Right, not forever. You know, that's forever. Yeah. So I really start thinking about what bring me pleasure. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of was knitting. So I just started to think about okay, what can I do that yeah. related to knitting? And ask the run and then discover a completely new new world. Of you know design and yeah. and all that and so I I started to study again and went to textile design school and were there any and many people at that time who were doing traditional Icelandic knitting? Well, uh, no, not really. Well, I mean, everybody is always knitting a piece right, yeah. so it's a traditional thing, but it's a relatively new tradition. But there are so many people that are interested in the old knitting, so. What happened is that when I got really interested in the old knitting, it was when uh, I had an assignment during a course. Mm-hmm. We had to resign to 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 you know to research something okay. about design, and I wanted to do it with knitting. And then I really wanted something like really old Icelandic, really traditional. Right. And then I remember in the farm <laughs> the little shoe insert that I was given by uh-huh. the um, by the sister of the farmer, okay. and started to research them. And uh, so it's this shoe insert. So I'm the international specialist of the Icelandic uh, knitted shoe insert. You're the international specialist of the Icelandic <laughs> shoe insert. That's a very specific, like super no, specific. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, 
Well, I mean, they were very little known, right, and uh, yeah. old people, they don't want to talk about it because it reminded them of uh, all the times, right. you know, of Iceland property uh, before independence and all that. And then the younger people, they don't necessarily know so much about it, yeah. and they're not uh, very much exhibited. So uh, at the time, I went to the National Museum and asked them to open the drawers in the archives, and then I got this shoe insert, so wow. stuff you would put inside the shoes, mm-hmm. so you would not see them. And they were so colorful, so beautiful. So I started to take pictures of them. Yeah. And I presented them uh, during this class assignment, not as shoe insert itself, so I completely took them off of the shoe, <laughs> if I can say. <laughs> and, and just present them as motif, colorful yeah. motifs, and put them all together. And apparently it was the first time uh, anybody had done anything like that. Wow. And, yeah, the... So the graphic design teacher was really impressed with that. Yeah. So you're bringing... Yeah, to and life this, and old tradition in a different way. Yeah, and, and then and then from that, so this was just a one course assignment, and then from that, I made some more research, and this design uh, professor, Chris Goodman Duro, he uh, he really encouraged me then to uh, to write my B about it. Okay. And then from it, it became a book. So I kind of really made a, a really <laughs> very academic research. Right, yeah. And the law is helpful for that because I know how to search. Right, exactly. Huh? <laughs> so your background is Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no bad experience. No, really. that's true. Yeah. And, um, and then I got a grant also from the Innovation Fund to do something out of it. So from yeah. the shoe insert, I made a whole collection of knitted collection. Wow, okay. And published them as patterns in a book. So yes. it was my first knitting book. So I was not really working as a knit designer at the time. Uh, but um, yeah, the, this is really the book that got me known and, and yeah, in Iceland. Really cool. And that really started it. I like how there's just the... Obviously in most people's lives, the, these occasions of things that just happen to come into your life. But this in particular is really fascinating because of, you know, you went to design oh, school yeah. and it's just like... You, because you were on the sheep farm and there was a, a shoe and so you oh, know yeah. it's like a oh, very yeah. like and then I am going to, the to journey tell you, <laughs> so, I am, so I'm going to tell you the, to finish the loop mm-hmm. uh, yeah so I got this well, when I started to make this book I looked for a publisher uh, and I found one yeah so the book is called Icelandic Intarsia Knitting sometimes there's also a name like Icelandic uh, knitting using rose patterns okay <laughs> Well, it's just a translation of the Rosa de Papron, which is the technique for the for the shoe inserts. And uh, it happened after we published the book. We were when no, not after we published it, when when I gave the the scripts to them, mm-hmm. and she read it, and then she realized that you know the the sister of the farmer who gave me the little shoe inserts yeah. was her mother. No. <laughs> I mean, I know Iceland yeah. is small, but it's not like usually that small. <laughs> they like, were small. That's amazing. Especially in Iceland, but they were that's really small, amazing. so that was amazing. It's <laughs> like, oh, I mean, you know, know, my I mom. Mean, yeah. So cool. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that is a very nice close yeah. <laughs> way to close the loop. Yeah, really, like close the loop. <laughs> and are you already spoke about this a little bit in terms of something surprising? But was there anything else when you were researching this traditional Icelandic patterns? that fascinated you or surprised you? Well, I was surprised by the color. And I think most Icelandic people would be surprised by the color. Yeah. Especially since it goes inside Everybody has some ideas. <laughs> like everybody, things has to be in, in uh, ship colors. Uh, okay. 
But actually, people had so much pleasure using the colors. So with the shrinkers, they could use all little bits and bring them to life. Okay. And make something creative out of it, which was not what the knitting was about because it was uh, uh-huh. the main economy after the fishing from the 16th, uh, from the 16th, 17th century until the 19th century. It was just uh, really uh, an it was work. Yeah. Yeah. So it was work, work, work. People, if you, and I took lots of interviews with old people. Yeah. And they all hated knitting. Wow. But making a shoe insert, it was something fun because you could put your creative and imagination. And that's so fun. Making fast. patterns and putting yeah. colors together. That's interesting, though, that like where you could funnel your creativity is something that gets hidden. Yeah. So this is like I said, like people like they're in their pleasure. It's like almost like your secret, you know, that you get. Yeah, or you're just you know, I'm I'm, I'm often comparing, you know, you know, when you're wearing like nice underwear. Yeah, exactly. And feel good about it. <laughs> That's a good Nobody point. knows about it, but you should just just make things feel good. And, yeah. And I think that was a bit of an idea like that. And also just simply being able to use all the little leftovers and it's something little mm-hmm. but nice so and useful and useful. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody is it had to be useful right. at this time. Mm-hmm. So, and then the second thing that really, or maybe maybe it was the first, I'm not sure, but it, it was just the reaction of people. Uh, and it's something I really encounter quite a lot, is this kind, and probably I have that because of my French origin. Uh, I really find that there is in Iceland very little uh, respect for some part of their past. Okay. Uh, you know, the dark ages. Yeah, okay. Sometimes you go from the south and then it's like, okay, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, we are so isolated. Nothing's happening. Right, nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing. And then we come back to the independence and in, into the, the new century. And it's like they almost erased the full part of their history. And there is really a reject, um, okay. which I find a bit strange. Somehow, I mean, I mean, I know they were. Uh, I mean, Iceland was a was a Danish colony. Right. I know it was a very poor country and isolated, and there was eruptions and plagues and all that. But it yeah. doesn't makes it not worthy studying right. or yeah. or be proud of it. Do you think there might be some shame around it? The yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah. yes, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just like it's slightly off topic, but like. When I think about the U.S., right, and yeah. I think about slavery, and I think yeah, about yeah, the shame. Yeah, yeah. This is like, it's so, there's some times where you just don't want to, like, jump back into that. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's some and, feelings and, around and, it. And, and also, I think people were not slaves. Right. Uh, the condition, when you read about the condition, uh, you know, with the knitting. Right. <laughs> it was like a work, yeah. you know? And like, for a man, you had to make, like, four pairs of socks every week if yeah. you talk to a knitter they like, go like oh my god and this was just beyond all the rest of the work they were doing right. so. and but yeah they were like not working in very good condition i right. mean it was it was not it was not called slavery but it was really uh, some yeah. sort of slavery so. and it's hardship and hardship yeah so yeah absolutely so yes there is so there's kind of an eradication of a past which is a little bit bizarre because then uh, you know when i'm researching knitting i mean knitting came really during those ages and right. all, all that happened that i find really important <laughs> really happened during this time it was created yeah. with this time so and it's not worth nothing <laughs> and you coming from a very unique view like you said as you know coming well i don't know if i have a unique view but i i, I have maybe a, a different view mm-hmm. um but you can appreciate it. That's the thing. Yeah, like and I appreciate you know um, um, because you you can 
also we have younger generation that are not thinking the same yeah. or a thought. But there's still this idea also, yes, we were so isolated, we are so, but we... I, w- I was talking to some uh, architecture student mm-hmm. uh, just a few days ago. There was the design school, Academy of the Arts, that, that had their uh, graduation. All right. And always there is this kind of language. Yeah, we... There's nothing here. <laughs> so oh. we always have to make... Yeah, it's, 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 very, it's very strange, this kind of attitude always. Like, uh, like Iceland doesn't have enough going on or no. something. Wow. I'm surprised about that today because there's so much happening, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's fascinating. I know. So I think also young people are not ashamed of it. They, I mean, you know, it, it just transmits itself yeah, from generation definitely. to generation. And I'm, I mean, uh, talking again about slavery in the US, it's... yeah. Definitely. It's pretty. Okay. You carry these things. Yeah, with you fear. carry these things yeah. with genetically you. Genetically and emotionally. Yeah, and emotionally, it. and it, it takes quite a long time to actually yeah. <laughs> get rid of it. Yeah, so. exactly. And it, it doesn't help either that the world becomes smaller with technology. Yeah. But it feels so big outside of Iceland, uh-huh. right? And so I'm sure younger kids are probably like, I have to get out in the world and get two ideas. Like Iceland doesn't isn't with every idea, and it's like, well, sometimes that's actually kind of good a little bit. Not that they're not getting no. the ideas and but there's a lot of ideas yeah exactly it's just, it's and just there's different lots of things happening right exactly and when you think about well anyway yeah so, so it's <laughs> slightly it's, it's on topic because of I think just us both like you're way less of a foreigner than I am I'm like <laughs> like fresh no, I mean, almost no. fresh off the plane practically yeah. in comparison how long have you been here like five years no almost three. Oh, almost three okay. yeah so you know well, you're not... I'm getting there no, you're getting there <laughs> but, but at the same time it's just yeah. I mean, you've seen a shift happen yeah. over the last 25 years that you've yes, been here, right? Yes, there was a big shift. Yeah. And so that is, actually, I'm sure, quite fascinating too yeah. for you. Yeah, and there's also, talking about you, and there's a color shift also happening. Mm-hmm. And it's happening just in front of our eyes. Yeah, it's true. And it, with that comes a lot of conversation. Yes. No, yeah. but it's, it is so new. You know? yeah. I know. It, it is happening a... now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to make some babies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to write that down in my notes. I have to make some babies. Well, let's go back to the other question. What is your... This is totally like a jump. What is your favorite traditional Icelandic knitting pattern? I don't know. Is it too tough of a question? Yeah, it's too tough of a question. All right, what are your top ones, though? Do you find yourself gravitating towards? It's I like mean, trying to pick uh, between your favorite children or something. Is that what it is? <laughs> well, yeah, something like that. You know, like just like, oh, my favorite hair, you know, on my head. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are there are different types of traditions in Iceland. So of course, I love the lupi sweater. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. And that's it's, a traditional a Icelandic nice sweater one. that most people see. If they yeah, are. it's the one that I see. So what I'm also trying to let people see is uh, the, the shawls. Mm, yeah, there's, but there's, you're wearing a lovely yes, shawl right you. now. Uh, but they're really a big knitting uh, shawl traditions in Iceland that dates from the, towards the end of the 19th century, but really develop develop in the 1920s. Okay. Uh, so maybe a little bit after Shetland. And that is really uh, interesting because it was developed for the people themselves, not for commercial reasons. Mm, right. They were doing it for themselves, not like in the Shetland where it was meant uh, to be sold to, uh, you know, the royalties. Right, okay. So it's really interesting that just people were just making it again, like, you know, to... <laughs> to 
show Enjoy. their spinning skills yeah. and, and make something really nice okay. with what they had. Uh, so, yeah, so I like the shells a lot. Um, then I, I'm, I don't want to talk about it because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a work in the making that has been for such a long time. Okay. Uh, but lace dresses. <laughs> lace. Le- yeah, also some lace, but okay. inspired by Clucas. So I'm supposed to write a book about it. Okay, but okay. Well, but the lace dress and the, the, the shells are probably very important for me because, yeah. well, yeah, actually, it should be. I mean, I develop a range of yarn because of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Okay, <laughs> let's say the shells. Okay, the shells are your favorite. I okay, mean, the shells are my well, they're not my favorite, but the shells are my favorite. Okay. Or, or I think they were like some that really needed because I think they are really um, very special. Yeah. And that it was a bit a pity that we didn't have any yarn fine enough to make them. So this is what made me oh. <laughs> started uh, uh, to make new yarns. So how did you go about making the yarn? Were you just going like finding? Oh, it so just took seven years and just seven <laughs> years. Yeah, easy breezy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> well, you know, I was just like, oh, there's no yarn. You know, we we have just one big mill company which goes in stacks, and then I have one uh, yarn that is for a knitter. Okay, I'm going to send you a lot of knitters, so I'm going to use some knitting there. Okay, it's, it's a fingering way. Okay, so it's 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 fine, but it's not super fine and it was never developed for uh, hand knitting okay but for machine knitting and it's the the, the base really for all you can see all the design in the shops that okay, are machine knitting yeah always make with this ain band uh, but then when you make a shawl out of it they're very nice but they have nothing to do really with the shawls you can see in the museums mm. which are really a very very fine lace very soft and it, yeah. it just makes it so airy so uh, very naively, seven something years ago, I said like, "Well, then I'm going to make it." <laughs> and yeah, and then it's it's a long journey. Okay. So, so did you have to work with the um, people? Who well, were... it was very difficult. I've I've made some choice in a mini mill, and then I tried to find a, a bigger mill that yeah. could do it, and it took many years. Uh, and I find a mill, but not in Iceland. We just have this one mill in Iceland. Okay. They can't do it. Otherwise, right. they would. They would. Yeah. Uh, and then today we also have a mini mill now, which is really nice because you can make lots of trials. But a mini mill is not the place for me to to make a big bigger quantity. Right. Yeah. Okay. You so know, you can like you, test out. In stuff a mini mill, it... you can make little quantities, yeah. but you, you you know it doesn't make sense to make a bigger quantity. So I wanted to make it a big on a, on a bigger scale. Okay. So you uh, source also, the. So I'm I'm sourcing wool the from... wool here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just lambs wool and. Uh, Sorting every fleece, yeah. just doing the stuff. Does it happen to come from the sheep farm that you were once at when you were learning Icelandic? Uh, no. No, okay. I was just yeah, had to ask, just in case. <laughs> he sent me a fleece once that he thought was very nice. Yeah. And that's true, the color was really nice, but <laughs> the fleece was not proper for. Okay, I got it. <laughs> it was, I was just so like, more, maybe yeah. the loop closes even more. <laughs> he has his own job. Yeah, okay. <laughs> No, 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 I didn't. No, I mean, they retired, actually. Okay, yeah. So that's, that makes sense. <laughs> it's just a joke, not. really. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it could. It could happen. I'm, I, I know some farmers I'm working with that are sending the wool. But, um, yeah. And so um, it is spun in Italy. Okay. Which is uh, where they make all luxury yarns in the world. And yeah. it's more like a consortium. So, they, I mean, 
they are the best. Nice. And, only the best and they, they were the only the only one that uh, could do could take the, the challenge of right. spinning like this because I've I've been mean, sent all over the world and for the one and a half year or something, oh. and it would say no 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 we can't make it we can't do it not not that fine not that wow no 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 so okay yeah so it was kind of a, I really wanted <laughs> that's really beautiful less chance to happen yeah <laughs> uh, and then once it starts then you have to you know to stabilize a little bit yeah. and, um, because I can collect at least only once a year and then I I realized I needed to send really quite a lot in the yeah. containers so it would cost less okay. uh, in shipping so. That's yes, fascinating. This is labor of love in order for you to make Absolutely. Shots. And this is the reason why I called the first one this, this very fine less love story. There you go. This is what it was really all about. Nice. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go a little bit back into your yes. mountain hiking, trekking yeah. roots. Since you were doing that, what made you think, you know what, I'm a guide in mountain hiking and trekking. I'm going to combine this with knitting and, and start taking people out on knitting tours. Well, that started, so I started those, those tours uh, in, in 2010, yeah. And at the time, uh, Iceland was very different. Uh, the, there was not been this tourist boom mm-hmm. yet. And uh, when people came to Iceland, I was like, they were going to the mountains, hiking, nature. But then they had very little, uh, you know, encounter with the locals, with the people, with the right. culture. Okay. So it was just all about the nature. Or you would just stay in Reykjavik where there was, it was not this vibrant city. Well, it didn't have this, there was still a lot to do, but yeah. it was not as accessible and it had not been marketed as it has been right. today. So, so it was not necessarily very accessible for people who didn't know. Uh, no, just like... <laughs> And uh, so I just got this idea to, um, you know, to to mix the two. So the knitting tours, they're more sort of like cultural tour where you right. discover Icelandic culture and meet the people through the knitting. But then the idea of not going into the nature was a bit... So I just mixed the two. Yeah. And, and then it makes sense also to go to farms and country farms and, and to experience the Icelandic weather and yeah. understand why the world is so important. Didn't you discover that was after three years in Iceland? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> no cotton <laughs> on glacier. No, definitely not. I mean, that's the, the biggest no-no, right? It's the biggest no-no. Yeah, it's yeah. like hike, especially you want, hiking, and trekking. Like I went yeah, on. Yeah, you want to freeze to death. Yeah. <laughs> Just, if you want to freeze stuff, wear cotton. That's wear for sure. cotton. Yeah, <laughs> that is. But working for a, an outdoor adventure company, I learned so much about outdoor yeah. gear. But this in particular, yeah. the wool sweaters, how much <sighs> they keep you warm, and Just, even with the rain, like it's they're incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even when it's frozen, it keeps the this calorific. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah. perfect. In fact, so, a lot of I've heard a lot of mountaineers who moved over to the high tech clothing. They've gone yeah. back to using wool because they realized that yeah, it's I know better performance. And I'm so glad about this because I have a high tech clothing <laughs> husband. Oh, interesting. And, okay. And the smell oh. that follows those high tech <laughs> clothing. Well, they're whisking away. The, but, you know, all the the sweat But like that you were saying, it. I mean, yeah. uh, so 25 something years ago when I came to Iceland, I yeah. mean, all the all the guys. They we're all wearing fleece. Fleeces. Mm. I'm the only one wearing a lovely sweater. That's amazing. <laughs> every Christmas, I was like, that you want a fleece for Christmas? No. <laughs> I always refused it. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is, has he changed at all? No. No, no fleece. No, no fleece, fleece, really? Wow. No, no, I don't have any fleece. I hate fleece. You hate it. I hate okay. it. 
I hate it. That's so you just like your shawls? And... Oh, I just, uh, I'm always like very fashiony. Okay. I'm always <laughs> wearing a homemade clothes. And, uh, that's very nice. I just have a shell thing. jacket that okay. I put on really, if it's really raining, a lot. But otherwise, forget just about it. let yourself enjoy the elements. I just have many sweaters. Yeah. Okay. I even made one sweater that called Autivist with uh, her hood and zip pockets and everything, nice. you know, like... That covers your it's face like, and everything. It's like, uh, yeah, and I had really lots of fun because when I, <laughs> I made the description of it, using the same vocabulary they use for the high-tech... Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, then the guy, so it has, uh, you know, frontal zip pockets <laughs> with... <laughs> and, uh, for the, and then... Well, so I made a ropey sweater. Yeah, basically. With like a hood and then covering your face. Which which is very good for my... (laughs) But good marketing on your part, right? No, but it's my favorite first sweater. I mean, I always wear it when I go hiking. It's perfect. (laughs) And how did people react when they found out that you were, say, in the knitting community, when you were reaching out about hiking and knitting? Well, people are surprised and interested. I mean, first when I started, I really thought it was a niche. So, I mean, I had everything. I loved knitting and I loved being outside and I was a mountain guide already. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of made sense. Right. And people yeah, just, just eventually started And then it, was, it. it seems to be quite a niche and then actually a lot of people uh, love it. Yeah. Or like the idea. And what's been amazing, so so through the times I've I've tried to have different tours where you have more or less hiking, more or less strenuous. Yeah. And I mean it has become also for a lot of people yeah. like their first time experience in a mountain. Wow. I've had people like you know, I've been training for one year to come to That's one so of those <laughs> I love how they want to be prepared. They're like, yeah. I got the knitting part down. I need to like go out and hike just so I can do this tour. And there was, in particular, this, uh, there, she was relatively young. So she was like 25. And okay. uh, she was from France, uh, from the south of France. And then she told me she had lost so many weight. Okay. Uh, when, when we were, and she said, well, I, I did that to come on your tour, she said. Oh. And I've, I had never done any sport before. And for the, all the years, she's been bicycling all mm-hmm. over, and all the she lived in the tiny village, and all the people say, "What's what, why are you always bicycling?" She said, "It's because I'm going on a knitting tour in Iceland." <laughs> <laughs> and they said they were completely. She was completely mad. <laughs> you know, like, but she was prepared, right? Yeah, she was prepared. That's and awesome. and and she kind of uh, then I've been in touch with her, and and she's she has become for you know she's yeah. she has become a mountain boot. <laughs> So she so, now hikes mountains and things yeah. on her own. So you're helping to bring out another passion in people. Yeah, so it's just kind of really funny. Yeah. And, and, and then I like also like just to be in the good head and how it just brings us all together. Yeah. So, and it's, it's quite, it, it goes very well together. Um, another thing is, is because we are knitting, right. we're not just hiking, so we're taking our time. And if it's good weather, you know, I'm just going to take two hours break. Yeah. You know, taking pictures of the flowers, knitting a little bit. Uh, and that's how you actually get to enjoy the nature, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one, because often when I saw the hiking groups, they were like... <laughs> that's me, then, by the way. I'm yeah, that one, yeah, like, exactly. You're the one charging forward. <laughs> <laughs> going to the hut, and then in the hut, <laughs> to do, and they always bring a book or something. Yeah. Like, oh, do you need a book when you're doing knitting? Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, and you get to learn about Icelandic culture, like you're saying. Like, yeah, and then we also always visit museums and farms and meet people, and then you have something to to to, to tell them, right. because there's always, um, you, I mean, there is a common interest which makes things much easier. Yeah. So do people always start out as knitters who are going hiking, or do you ever find people who like hiking and they're like, I'm gonna try? Oh, I have knitting. both. Yeah. Okay. I had, I had, I had once, she came three times. She came for the first time as a friend. She she liked the knitting. She couldn't knit. She okay. didn't know how to knit, but she, she wanted to hear the story, so she came with her friend. Then she came back again, and then she st- and, and learned how to knit. So she learned how to knit there or by herself? No, she, she learned to knit the, the, wow. a, a little bit before, but okay. she was very beginner, so she was still with her friend. And then she wanted to come on her own. Wow. <laughs> and she was a knitter too then. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Okay. So, yeah, I've have, I have had some who started knitting. And okay. Or in, in, it's been in both directions. But otherwise, it's just like people who are... Uh, the idea also was maybe to attract uh, younger people or a different type of knitters. Because right. a lot of retreats, at least at the time, it was a lot about just very sedentary, you know, staying in a nice hotel right. and uh, and eating lots of cakes, which I also, well, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> we, do like, have, we do have lots of cakes yeah, also in the hiking tours. Like, <laughs> hiking, that's part of it, right? We, we also like, have chocolate oh, and yeah, cake. Yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. That's how you help keep your energy up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have lots of cakes and food. Yeah, and yeah, yeah we're eating too much. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. we're hiking a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your favorite place or places to knit in Icelandic nature? Oh, that's another. I know. It's a, and now it's a huge question because even when a, I think you about don't it, I have tough questions. Anyway, I mean, I like to be close to some water, a waterfall, because of the noise. Yeah. And then uh, no wind. That's because it's so hard on the fingers. Yeah. And but uh, otherwise, when I knit in Icelandic nature, I'm usually hiking. Okay. So keeping yourself warm and, you know, knitting at the same time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. well, this is what people were doing also in the old days. They were always having their knitting. Um, really? Well, yes, when they were making all those knitting for it. Yeah, I didn't know they were they were walking at the same time. I just figured they were, like, in their houses. Oh, no, it's just that knitting. you would... Yes, they would be, but you would never lost any time. So if you had to visit someone in, in a farm, uh, I mean, you would always bring your knitting with you. So you were knitting while, while you're walking. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And I, I honestly didn't really I think needed it that a sweater. Way. Why you were in Fimbur House when, when I went over Fimbur House. Nice. But then I can tell you what's the most difficult part. Well, it, it got so heavy. So, um, and I finished it really sitting. I mean, the best because I couldn't. When I, when I had to make the yoke, right. you know, when you combine it, it's just so heavy on your. And so it's yeah. better to, uh, to hack and, uh, and knit uh, socks or mittens. Okay. Something much lighter <laughs> and easier to carry. Just a little advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you heard that out there. Like, yeah. Knitting a sweater? You could do it, but yeah. it might be a little so, bit more uh, tedious. I'm really passionate of it. I'm going to Fimber House. Yeah, I love Fimber House. I did it last yeah. summer, and I want to. Yeah. I did it from Thorsmork to Skogar, and I want to try um, the other way around. Oh, I prefer the other. I, ha- I have a one hiking knitting tour that's going... Uh, nice. From Skogar to From Skogar to Fimber House. Uh, yeah. To, to Thorsmork. Yeah, it's nice to end in Thor- well, in my I, mind. I, I prefer it much more. It's, that, it's okay. more difficult, Yeah. but uh, it's more logical somehow. Yeah. It makes more sense. Okay. And and you can really see all the waterfall. I think yeah, you don't that appreci- is true. You don't appreciate as much. I think this this I, I all those waterfall trails. You usually just run down. Yeah, that's true. So if a person wanted to get started with knitting Icelandic patterns, 
which one would you recommend? Well, I mean, usually the uh, you know little things like um, uh, you know a sweater would probably be what you would try to go for. Okay, so sweater with the lopey. Yeah, yeah. This is what you would aim for because okay. they're relatively easy. So, so you could start just making a call. Okay, I would not assume they were easy no, just, for some reason. Yeah, well, yeah, that was the idea. That's what this is how they developed. Okay, it was more like a commercial item, something like that, to be made very quickly. So it's like, like three tubes. Okay, nice. Three tubes that you turn together and all knitted in the round. So now I'm um, gonna I want to try this. I mean, I can crochet, but I, I've never tried knitting. So yeah, I was just. Like, I mean, I'm not saying you should start knitting with a knitting a loopy sweater. Right. But it's something that can be rich relatively more easily yeah. than you can. It's it, because it's just stocking stitch knit in the round. Okay. Just a few increases, decreases maybe. And then there's some color your color work. Okay. So you have to work with colours but but you know, so you can start knitting, I would say for a first project that would make some sort of a little uh, a cowl, you know, just Yeah, okay. Get some sort of stitches and just knit it up. Add some color work. And then you can move on to... Yeah, what, what do you consider can... quite difficult to knit? Lace is more difficult. Yeah, it's because um, it's delicate and to work with. Right? And it's more like the mistakes. It's not that it's difficult. I mean, okay. the, 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 the stitches themselves are not so difficult, but it requires more, much more attention. If you make a mistake, you can easily get lost yeah, okay. into them. <laughs> um, and then with the lace, uh, the shard lace, uh, the, the yarn is very fine. So this adds to the difficulty also because it's like you know you're knitting as a thread right so yeah okay and i don't recommend the garter stitch scarf because it's so long <laughs> <laughs> and in the old days they would make shoe inserts the stripes one little children will learn how to knit because then you might just direct and go right. more or less and <laughs> with stripes which always it's always good to have stripes because you always want to get to the next stripe right next yeah <laughs> to see how it looks Nice. So for my last question, yes. this is the one I ask everybody, which is, what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Uh, yeah, like hardworking or... Yeah, well, it's not really hardworking. Know, that's it, the thing. It, There's no <laughs> translation for it. Okay. That's, that's the thing. First of all, it means, yes, you are hardworking, but hardworking is a bit... It can sounds be very negative, right? And, yeah, which is which is it's not at all. I mean, you can be dulic to see in the sense that uh, you know that you you're enjoying life. You know, you can say you're hardworking at life. But mm -hmm. You can be uh, dulic in in your life. Yeah, or, um, and dulic. It has this. Yeah. Yes, it's it's very positive. The female version, so because like it's this, like very yeah. natural. Uh, it's. And also, I feel like it feels better when you say it in Icelandic as well. Like you said, like instead of saying hardworking. Yeah, hardworking. <laughs> I, I hate hardworking. It's the same thing with like valgert. If you say that to somebody, yeah, it's like it, well done. Yeah, instead of like sometimes when you say it in English, though, it just I don't know something about it. It's it's, it's more the well done connotation. Yeah. Like, yeah, what you do is so well done. Yeah. Because you put your heart into it. So, yeah. you, so do like kind of has the similar feeling. Yeah, yeah, it has feeling. this kind of a similar feeling and not just this uh, harsh, like it has to be difficult to right. be good. It's yeah. not at all. Uh, yeah, it's, it's congratulatory more than anything Yes, else. yes, it is. Absolutely, it yeah. is. It is congratulatory. It's, yeah. it's a good thing to be. Uh, yeah, it's we do like. Yeah. <laughs> to be do like. Or if you're a male do like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, 
not as working. This no. So that's why I like it also because uh, I, it's I, all about the, the wool and the yarn. And exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to be dull like, to, that is to, true. to make uh, the yarn <laughs> or to make a lace shawl. <laughs> that's a good point. So I'm going to share because uh, you were quite active on social media. And yeah. so if people want to get in contact with you or okay. learn more about you, I'll share details in the show notes about your like, websites and your social okay. media. Thank you. And even social photos from your site okay. of patterns that you've made because they're really beautiful and you thank are quite doodle leg. So thank you very much for speaking with oh, me. Oh, thank you to you. It was really nice talking to you. Likewise. As I expected. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's too bad. It's over already. Yeah. <laughs>